0: This month, the International AIDS Conference will be held in the United States for the first time in 22 years. The return of the conference to American soil comes with a change in attitude about AIDS. It follows the easing of U.S. travel restrictions on HIV-positive people. The conference also comes at a time when top AIDS researchers are optimistic about the future. Peter Piot is a former executive director of the United Nations Agency, UNAIDS. He has just written a book about his career fighting viruses. Piot is currently the director of the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And as we are hearing, and I'm sure you are, phrases such as turning point uh, in describing where the world is now with HIV and AIDS because of promising results of studies. Do you see this as a turning point? And if so, what's, what's caused it?
1: Well, Lisa, there's no doubt that we've made enormous progress in the fight against AIDS. Less people are dying because now over 7 million people in developing countries are on antiretroviral therapy. And that, thanks in a large extent to American aid through the President's emergency plan for AIDS relief. And also uh, less people become infected. But AIDS is not over by any means. And uh, we should be realistic and think that we're in this for the long haul, for several decades, because even if by some miracle today, nobody would become infected with HIV. We still have well over 30 million people living with HIV somewhere in the world, and all of them for decades will need treatment. So it's not over.
0: Does it also depend on how much treatment they get as to how long they will live and that that treatment varies in different parts of the world? How much of a concern is that?
1: Well, today, someone with HIV who is under treatment has a life expectancy that is very similar to someone who's not uh, infected with HIV.
0: That alone is pretty amazing.
1: Oh, that's a a revolution. I mean, before AIDS was a death sentence. In 96, we had these drugs, antiretroviral uh, treatment. And then the problem was to bring down the price of these drugs so that it could be accessible in developing countries. But the big difference is that like in Africa, the local people nor their governments have the money to pay for this treatment, even if it's now far cheaper than before. We, we came down from about 12,000 US dollars to 200, 300 dollars per person per year. So there is an enormous uh, important element here of what, let's say, the political mobilization, the commitment, and continuing funding from high-income countries such as the U.S. and Canada.
0: Well, that brings us to a little bit more of what you've written about in your book, and that concerns your focus on infectious viruses. And I wonder what that motivation arises from.
1: Well, when I was in last year in medical school, I asked for some career counseling from my professors, and the verdict was unanimous minus one, and there was no future in infectious diseases. This was in 74. You know, we've got antibiotics, we've got um, vaccines, and, uh, you know, it's done. This is, this is
0: just before the first couple of cases of HIV.
1: Uh, yes. That was five years or six years before HIV. It was two years before Ebola. And in the meantime, there have been so many other new uh, viruses and, and, and pathogens that have emerged.
0: You were only, I think, 27 years old when you were in a laboratory in Antwerp as, I believe, a graduate student and made a pretty amazing discovery with the help of something that came from a Catholic nun in Africa. Tell us about this.
1: Yeah, I was in training in, uh, for microbiology and after two years after me- uh, graduating from medical school, uh, worked on a PhD in microbiology. And there we got a, a sample in a thermos uh, that uh, a passenger had brought in a commercial flight from Kinshasa in Zaire, blood samples from a, uh, a nun, a Catholic missionary, who had died from what was thought to be uh, yellow fever. And uh, we isolated uh, a new virus. That was the first uh, case of uh, what is now known as Ebola hemorrhagic fever. I went to uh, Zaire. It was in the middle of the tropical rainforest. And our first mission was to stop the epidemic, but then also to figure out how this virus is transmitted. We had no clue. And that was real detective work. It was very exciting.
0: Uh, What is your own next goal? I guess personal and professional, since they seem to be so intertwined.
1: Well, first of all, I think we need to be mindful that new viruses will emerge all the time. And so I want to make sure that the world is prepared for that. But secondly, the big epidemic of the moment is obesity. Uh, This is something where we can probably also learn from the response to AIDS, how to change people's behavior, how to uh, make sure that a health issue is at the top of the world's agenda where it should be.
0: And it's kind of fun to prove your professors wrong.
1: <laughs> yes, the Once you
0: said there's no future in infectious disease. Right. Peter Piet, his book is called No Time to Lose, A Life in the Pursuit of Deadly Viruses. He spoke to us from London where his work continues. Very nice to talk to you. Thank you.